0: Calvary Christian Fellowship is a growing vibrant church located in the New York City Borough of the Bronx. CCF is dedicated to presenting the Gospel of Jesus Christ through dynamic preaching, well-balanced teaching and discipleship, and vibrant worship and praise. It is our intention to raise up qualified leaders and ministry teams who will effectively impact their generation for Christ. Visit our website at www.calvaryny.org. Now stay tuned for today's message. Today I want to talk a couple of minutes, uh, growing and moving forward in a new landscape. Growing and moving forward in a new landscape. I'm going to go, um, uh, let's go to, let me see. I'm just going to get into it and then I'll share some verses with you. Growing and moving forward in a new landscape. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because obviously we have uh, seen several cataclysmic shifts in our nation, and even globally. Uh, Right now, many people don't know what in the world is happening. Their head is spinning because of all the changes that have happened suddenly. Having said that, you need to understand, these have been in process for many years. All these changes that happen suddenly is just a manifestation of something that has been in process for many, many years. So our assignment hasn't changed. Our faith hasn't changed. The Bible remains the same. Cultures shift. Fashion shifts. But God's word never changes. And here is the crux of this. The cross was always an act of love. Always. It was always an act of love. So uh, our shift today isn't, uh, oh, now we've got to get upset and angry and fight. Yeah, sometimes, thank you. Sometimes it's, it's important to fight for a right, but never forget that God loves the world. See, we were a part of the world before. By that I mean we didn't know Him. So since we didn't know him, we didn't know the benefits of the kingdom. We were not part of the kingdom of God because we had not come to saving faith yet. That's when God loved you, when you were not caring, when you never visited a church, when maybe you even would curse using his name. He loved you there. It would be similar to a parent who loves their children, and the children uh, can sometimes get quite ornery. Kids can get mean sometimes. In school, sometimes kids can be bullies or they can be the bullied, right? Uh, and, and how many parents we have here? Raise your hands. So you've experienced that one way or another, where your kid gets bullied or your kid happens to be a bully, right? And I know in this, in this congregation, nobody has ever been a bully. So I really appreciate each and every one of you. You've just been perfect in school. You never had anything you know, wrong said about you, you know? But with me, I did. I had some things said about me when I was younger. But the truth of the matter is, mom still loved me. Sometimes she'd go to school and belt the tar out of me, right, in school. But she loved me. She loved me when she was kissing me. And she was loving me when she was using La Correa. Anybody here knows what La Correa is? Yes. La Correa. No, she used to use La Correa. The chancleta was for like speed stuff. It was like a quick thing. Huh? A branch. She never used the branch, but yeah, that's used. That, but she used to use either la correa or la chancleta. And that was all based on love. And so if I didn't get la chancleta in season or la correa in season, correa means belt, chancleta means, you know, those slippers, slippers. But it's not just the average slipper. It is... A a nuclear slipper. It has supernatural powers. La chancleta has a guided missile. It has a GPS that wherever mother throws it, it lands. It's usually at your head. She throws it right at your head. Hits you right in the back of the head. Never, Never fails. But what I'm saying, all of that was based on love. Even when she had to correct you or when dad had to correct you, it was based on love. I mean, if, if the family is in sync with, with, with the way a family should run. I know out there that sometimes there's child abuse. and we are, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when a family is correctly raising their children. And in the correct context, even that was in love. And so we have to understand that even when we stand in love, some people are not going to like us for what we have to say. You have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with them calling you a bigot because you believe God. Because you believe his word. You have to be okay with that. You have to settle that issue right now. That some people are not going to like you just for who you are. Just for what you believe. But I, I love God more than I love uh, the accolades of people. There are times when people are going to want to shout me down because I'm sharing the love of God. Because I want to pray for somebody. Because I want to bring a Bible to work. Because I want to wear a t-shirt that talks about the love of God, or just says Jesus, that's all. Just the name Jesus many times is offensive to people because they don't understand the love of God. They think that God is chastising them. God is sending them to hell. He's not sending them to hell. Sin is sending them to hell. See, you know, our, our lives out of order is, is destroying us. We don't need God to send us anywhere. We're doing it ourselves. You know, so there's, there's definitely a changing landscape out there. But we have to continue to remain consistent. Having said that, there is many times a critical spirit, if, if, it, if, if I can say it that way, or a mindset many times that we've seen in churches where a person that doesn't have their life perfectly aligned with, the, uh, with Scripture or doesn't dress like they do or doesn't talk like they do or maybe smokes or maybe drinks a little is ostracized from the church. We have to be more loving like that because, you know, we don't fix ourselves up to come into the kingdom of God. We come to church to get fixed up. So I say come in with your cigarette smoke, come in with your drinking, come in, just come in as you are, and let the Spirit of God move upon you, and then we can help you in that process. We won't be judgmental to you, we won't try to say, oh, we're better than you are, because that's dumb. Because, you know, I mean, there, but by the grace of God, go I also, right? I was in that position one day, they were in that position, we were in that position one day, right? So the love of God has to be expressed in and through us. So if a person who uh, maybe right now is celebrating many of the shifts that are happening in this nation come to our congregation, what's our response? Love them. Encourage them. Now, if they want to make us do something uh, that really, in truth, uh, our belief system doesn't allow for it, then we respectfully and lovingly. I don't have to fight. I don't have to curse. I don't have to get angry. I was just, listen, the scripture says this, and we, you know, we love God and we love his word. Because of that, we cannot do this. Oh, you bigots. I said, well, feel whichever way you may. I'm not a bigot. I love you. God loves you. Thing is, is that our faith does, it precludes us from doing this. You might get criticized for that. You might get chastised for that. You might get reprimanded. Right now, there are states that are literally imposing fines on people for their belief system. Well, you know, it's not the end. Just because they impose a fine don't mean we have to pay the fine. We have lawyers. We have a faith community. And the fight has just begun. So in the coming days, months, and even years, this whole debate is going to be hammered out. Because just because the court said, well, we believe, or five of the judges said, we believe that, for example, same-sex marriage should be the law of the land. Okay, fine. That's their belief. It's their belief. But since they're judges, right, their belief has a strong play in uh, the way policy is issued in the nation. But let me make something clear. They did not create a law. Because the Supreme Court does not create law. Congress creates law. See my point? So what's going to happen now is now their decision is going to be argued in courts for the next couple of years. And now as we know, the way uh, a landscape is shifting, people are moving away from reality. They're moving away from facts. They're moving toward what I feel. Now, logic can dictate to you that a a man is a man because DNA says so. That's logic and that's a fact. But we have seen um, a past celebrity, uh, one of our uh, gold medalists decide, I'm a woman, right? So, but does that make him a woman? No, he's not a woman, he's a man. Now, he wants to dress like a woman. He wants to look like a woman. I understand that. That's a different story. But... Today, they want to get rid of fact and just say, well, if you feel like it, then you should go ahead and and be. You can't be. You could just act like it. That's fact. See? But now what's happening is they're bringing to the ascendancy emotion and feeling and desire above fact. So fact is going down. And emotion and desire, fleshly desire, is being brought up to the point where, as it were, a fact. And it's very troubling because now they're going to have to debate and argue about many, many issues that will rise up because of that. Namely, for example, if I feel I'm a woman today, I should be able to go into a woman's bathroom, right? Well, guess what? Certain states are allowing that. Uh See, so that becomes troubling to the average population. So you're going to have to deal with things like that. Right now, there's a five-year-old or four-year-old that says he wants to be a girl. He's a boy. He wants to be a girl. And the parents, because they've bought into this, they're going to facilitate this stuff. And that's crazy because what if the child now changes his mind at age 10? Meanwhile, he did surgeries on himself and hurt himself permanently. You see my point? So when you get out of the anchor of a foundation... When you get away from the solid truth and fact, the only thing that's left is how I feel today. And we in the faith community have been saying, if you ever, uh, ever allow this to become law across the land, then watch out what you ask for, because you're gonna get it. The next step is there are other people waiting in, in hiding to be exposed and come out of the closet also. And they say, no, we just wanna be equal. No, that's not true. Because you could have been equal in the sense that we could have created a law that would allow domestic partners to have the same benefits as married folk without calling it marriage. But since you shifted what marriage is, guess what? There is no marriage anymore in the sense of anything permanent. Now it's quicksand. Because today marriage could be a man and a man, a woman and a woman, a man and a woman. But what about tomorrow? I might want I I to marry my sneaker. Or I might want to be a cat. Now, let's say, for example, if I feel like a cat, am I a cat? According to the law, the way it's shifting, if I feel like a cat, I should be a cat. There are people saying that right now. And watch this. And since I'm a cat, I should not have to pay taxes to the United States of America. No, no, see, exactly right. You just finished saying something that now the same-sex proponents are saying. Oh, that's crazy. Well, 10 years ago, what you were asking for was crazy. See, it's a slippery slope. When we get away from the concrete, when we get away from the foundations, from the moorings uh, that this nation was born on, or built upon, it's just a matter of time till the nation is destroyed. Ah, you, you're, you're dumb. You're, you're, you guys are bigots. You, you don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're um, what's the word, um, conspiracy theorists. No, you've seen it in history. Mm-hmm. All across history. Any time a nation gets away from solid foundation, from solid fact, the only thing left is how I feel. And the problem is today I feel this way, and tomorrow I feel that way. Are you aware right now that there are child pornographers or Uh, Pornographers that like to sell children's pictures, people that love children, that right now want to come out. And there's legislation being written right now that wants to make them normal. Now, why should we deny them? It's normal. We're all sexual beings. You, you understand? What I'm it's a slippery slope. And that's why scripture is very clear. You get away from the facts, you get away from true morality, then all you have is perceived morality. And today, the perceived morality is those that have been carrying the morals all these years, now are the ugly people, the, the bigots, the, the, the sinners, the horrible folk. Are you aware that that's how things like what happened in Auschwitz, like happened in Germany, like happened against Israel, for example, and what happened to to many African nations, people in African nations, where entire groups of people were, were killed. First thing they do is they create a specific group of people that are horrible. They're less than human. They're bigots. They're horrible. Little by little, the popular trend is to then start to hate them. And after a while, it becomes okay to kill them, to exterminate them. And that's what's happening right now. So right now, if you go to a planet, they're looking for life on a planet, right? What are they looking for when they say they're looking for life? Hmm? Basic elements, but what do they call the life? Are they looking for anything? Uh, can we say microbes? Not so much intel- They're not even looking for that. They're not looking so far like Hollywood, you know, where, where you the, the full-bodied alien, you know, the gray aliens, you know. They're not looking for that. They're looking for microbes. Signs of life, microbes. Right? So they call a microbe a Life. A sentient life. But yet here in the United States, the life inside a womb is not life. It's a fetus. You see how logic can can drive a, a, a whole society crazy. And with that logic, we have killed over 50 million human beings. So that's the landscape that we're in. Is the church of the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ essential today? More than ever. More than ever. Because the the eyes, the Bible says that the eyes of their understanding have been clouded. The eyes of their understanding have been darkened. They can't see. They're actually fighting for this. They're advocating for this. Because they don't understand where it's going to take them. They don't realize the harm it's going to cause our nation and you know, many of us, we've lived already a certain portion of life. We've already lived, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, whatever it may be. But what about those little babies now that are coming up now? What type of world are they going to be a part of? Well, we've got to teach them. We've got to teach them how to thrive in any culture. Because Joseph's culture was not a, a pro Christian America, it was a heathenistic society where well, if they didn't like you, that's it, you're dead. <laughs> Daniel, for example, if Daniel could not prophesy or if he could not reveal what the dream was the next morning, they were going to kill him right there. God had to answer him and give him wisdom that night or he was dead the next morning. That's the place where he was living at. So having said that, we're still in a very, I would say, a great place to worship. We're still in a great place in comparison to what some of these men of God and these women of God had to go through. Even today... There are several nations that just because you're a Christian, you could go to prison. Pastor, Pastor Saeed, he, he was an American, is an American citizen. And three years ago, he went back to his country of origin, of where his parents were. And he was going to go check out uh, some areas where he could open up uh, children's ministry, um, uh, maybe a place for adoptions, you know, to help the children over there in that region. He has a passion for that. His church and his wife and his children, they have a passion for that. And his wife didn't want him to go. But he said, I I have to go. I I have to go. You know, it's part of my ministry. I really feel the need. He went over there. They arrested him. They arrested him because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They said he was inflaming society. He was talking about the order of the government and a whole bunch of other things. He was just preaching the gospel. He was just ministering to the children. That's all he was doing. He's still in prison now, almost four years later. See my point? So having said that, we still live in a society that we have relative freedom. So what do we do? We relax? Chill out? No. Stand in the gap. Pray. Be a witness. What's the best way uh, to change society? Change people's hearts. You See my point? So today, more than ever before, we have to be bearing fruit. We have to make sure that we activate that which God placed in us in Luke chapter 19 verses 11 through 13 I'm going to read these verses Luke 19 verses 11 through 13 and as they heard these things he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear he said therefore Jesus did a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then to return. So a nobleman left, but later on to return. But what he did before leaving, he called his 10 servants and he delivered them 10 pounds and he said, occupy until I come. Occupy until I return. In other words, Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God and he's saying it's similar to this. See, because Jesus left. He was taken up to the Father, right? And he's returning. But before he left, he gave gifts on earth. He released gifts on earth. And we all have these gifts. We all have these abilities. Different ones, not everybody does the same thing, but we all have these abilities. So everything in our nature, everything that God has created in us has the ability to grow, to move forward, to multiply, to expand everything. We are created for that. It's it's weird when we as humans stay the same, never change. If you look at societies, they'll start with one family, then it becomes two families, then ten families, then they put a building there, then they put three buildings, and then they put ten buildings, and then they create a little simple set of laws to live together, and little by little that becomes a city, and then it becomes a state. It's our nature to expand and to grow. So it's interesting that we look at the trees, we look at bushes, they also grow. God placed in us the ability to grow, the ability to expand. And then he put in us the kingdom of God. So we as a Christian community, it is our, in our nature to make sure that the kingdom of God, that the laws of God, that the grace of God, that the love of God expands in all of this terrain, in all of this community. And I'm praying for this community. Say, Lord, raise this community up. Advance it greatly. Multiply it greatly. And I'm expecting the days when the place is going to be so packed out, we're going to have to double park. You know why? Because we're here now. No, I'm serious. Wherever churches really start growing and they start doing what they're called to do, people come from all different regions. And then businesses come. And then people come and move in and and build buildings and buy houses. So I expect this community to prosper in many ways. Prosper spiritually. Prosper emotionally. Prosper uh, in terms even of of the infrastructure. I love the fact that two doors down, there was that beat up building. Now they're making it really nice. I like that, changing the sidewalk. Remember the sidewalk was so destroyed? I I like that. I appreciate the advancement in community. And we're gonna do the same thing. Little by little, we're gonna fix uh, the outside. We only have the building a year. We have to first fix here. And now that we have our air conditioning, now we work out there. So that's the next project for us. But the most important thing is the heart of man. One time, Dr. Bernard said this. He said, when change is necessary, not to change is dangerous. You look at an example, a, a woman who gets pregnant. In the beginning, when a woman is pregnant, she just faintly knows because she senses one or two things in her system, inside, changes to her body, right? But nobody else knows. Nobody else can see a thing. There's no evidence unless you take one of those tests. Unless you go to the doctor and take a test, right? But after two months, are there any changes? Huh? Sometimes. There are, there are ladies that are two months pregnant. You can't tell. But she knows. And her husband knows, right? Because they've talked about it. They're, they're now excited about it. Uh, the husband's saying, be careful. Don't work too hard. You know, you have to shift your life. Everything has to shift. Why? Because there's an expansion in process. Now, what about after five months? Everybody knows. You know, sometimes no. Sometimes there's some ladies that are five months pregnant and you could barely tell. There are some ladies that have gone all nine months, they themselves didn't know they were pregnant. Yeah, it's happened. And then suddenly they start getting pains, pains, and heartburn. They go to the bathroom, they're keeling over, suddenly a baby comes out. It was what? I was pregnant. It has happened. But it it rarely happens. Most of the time, by five to six months, it's glaringly apparent that there's a bun in the oven. Right? That there's a beautiful child on its way, in process. Now, what are some of the changes that happen when a lady is pregnant? She's already five months. What are some of the changes that happen? The smell is horrible. The smell is horrible? What? you, You You get nauseated by That's what happened with you when you were pregnant? Okay, what else? <laughs> no, no, I, I understand that. You know, some ladies, uh, the emotions get heightened. The, the senses get heightened. The food desires get shifted. It get, you get very sensitive. that some foods you might really, really suddenly like, right? I know it, the body starts swelling. Uh, my wife, um, I forgot for what, what child, but she liked pepper steak. Every single day, I had to bring her to the restaurant so we could eat pepper steak she just had this overarching desire for pepper steak. So after a while, for you as a hot dog? Okay, all right. So we would sit down, and then the waiter would come to us, say, what would you like today? Let me see. You. How about pepper steak? You know, they knew us already. It was just ridiculous. and It was like an everyday thing. So by seven months, are you wearing the same clothing? Why? Huh? Because there was expansion. See, by necessity, since there was a shift, since there was a seed that was introduced a couple of months ago and the seed was brought to life, now you have to shift. The, the, the most horrible thing was try to wear those, those pants that you used to wear, right? Or that dress that you used to wear when you were not pregnant. It, it would break. You would, it would be very uncomfortable. Isn't it true, yes or no? You have to change with the ever-growing process of expansion. To not change is dangerous. And then when about eight months, question, do you have the room ready already? No, you don't have the room ready. What are you waiting for? What are you, a crash? For tests, you wait till the last moment? No, you're supposed to prepare for it, Right? You have to prepare the room already. You have to have a, a something for the kid when the kid comes out, right? A cradle, right? At least. Don't tell me when they were born you didn't have anything. Well, well then I should knock him upside his head. You were preemies, okay? Well, okay. All right. So let's just say that they're not preemies. Let's say they're full nine months. It gives you at least the opportunity to prepare. But the point I'm making is that, and it's a good point because it was premium, it came beforehand, so it came before, so you didn't have a chance to be prepared. But if you're prepared for it, what happens? Everything's in place. When the baby comes out from the hospital, mom comes out, where do we go? Back home? And does she have a nice room for the baby? You have the paint already, right? You have the bassinet. Everything is ready, Why? Because you were preparing for expansion. You were preparing for the forward momentum, for the new season. So the mistake is, if we know we're in a new season, if we fail to prepare, then we're preparing to fail. You see? And this is the key. And that's what the Lord is saying to us today. We need to expand. We need to expand in here. We need to expand here. We need to expand in terms of our sensitivities, our our discernment. We need to expand. We need to minister in a different way, still share the love of God. We need to expand in our love, but we also need to expand in the knowledge of the word of God. Because when you have Christians that don't know the word, anybody can mess with their head. If you don't know the word, you're going to get confused by anybody. So, people that don't know, or rather Christians that don't know the Word of God, that's a dangerous asset to be sent out there. Not only that, you could actually be confused by the people that, you know, bring in the arguments. Right now, there's uh, um, uh, maybe a professor or somebody like that that's trying to bring forth another teaching. And this teaching is that... um, uh, that there was a manuscript that was exposed somewhere that there were a group of people that made up Jesus. Just made them up, concoct them. Put the story together. We're going to create a Jesus. But if you don't know the word, if you don't know history, if you, if you didn't study and understand how precious the truth is, and how historically all these documents have been gathered throughout the process of 1,500 years. That, these, that the Bible is not even a, a, a book. It's 66 books of men that wrote in, in terms of what they experienced in their time, in their season. If you don't know the word, you won't know that there were over 500 people that saw Jesus resurrected. And wrote about it. And testified to this. This is not a, merely a belief. It's not merely, uh, you know, a concoction in somebody's mind. It's established fact. Come on. Yes. Historical documents found in different places in the world testify that there was a resurrection. That's right. Amen. Amen. You can't debate this if you know about it. But if you don't know these things, anybody can mess with your head. Oh, the Bible's really nice, that's a fable. Excuse me, history proves it. If you don't want to believe it by faith, just understand, manuscripts have been found, Dead Sea Scrolls and other things throughout the process of our history. And the Bible, or these 66 books, have been written over and over by people that dedicated their lives to literally writing from the original manuscripts and repeating the the, the truths. And year after year, decade after decade, century after century, these truths have been kept for future generations. Thank Thank you, Lord is right. Thank God for raising up scribes. For raising up men that literally wrote of these things and, and just made copies of them over and over and over. Then we had the printing press in the 1600s where this could be mass produced and it was able to be given to the nations. So we praise God for that. But if you don't know the word, you're in trouble because they're coming up with some crazy stuff today. And if you don't know, you'll, you might believe them. You know? So... But the other thing about expansion and growth and, and understanding who you are, and even though there's a shifting landscape, another thing is that growth will always happen in the midst of pain or crisis or even discomfort. Question, how many of you here were pregnant and never had any discomfort? Huh? No, my wife had discomfort. I was there. I, I'm an eyewitness. She had great discomfort. All ladies do. Because, I mean, hello, you're going you're gonna to balloon twice or three times the size and you're not going to be uncomfortable? Come on. And forget about the fact that, you know, when, when it's time to birth a baby, it's, you know, we're, we're not birthing a little pea. You're talking about a seven, eight, nine, ten pound creation. That is very uncomfortable. And painful, severely. I know I was there all three times with my wife. So even though I didn't experience the pain, I saw what she was going through. I didn't want to be seated seated out there. I'm sorry, I had to be in there. I was there. And then when the lady would get ready for, for the birth, I would say, okay, get the mirror ready. That's right, okay. I would see the way that the doctor had to sometimes snip, cut flesh to facilitate the birth. And then I would look at my wife and I'd see her face Purple esque or purple ish. Yeah, yeah, I I remember those days. And then when the baby's born, they still have to, you know, help her now because now after the birth, then comes. uh, Exactly right. One of those. You got to get that placenta out also. I mean, it's it's painful. So whenever there's going to be change, it's going to be painful. Right now, a lot of you are in pain because God's bringing you through that shift, through that change. And you're feeling pain, maybe emotionally. You're feeling that discomfort because God's expanding you. And some of you are fighting every step of the way because you don't want to expand. I like it here. I like it the way I am. I want my comfort. I want it back to the way things were. Sorry. (laughs) It's never going to be that way again. The life that you knew is over. It's a new season. It's a new time. Praise God. (laughs) So Galatians 4.19, the apostle said, Little children for whom I am again suffering birth pangs until Christ is completely and permanently formed or molded within you. So the apostle, when he was busy discipling others and preparing others, he would go through birth pangs, as it were. He would go through the difficulty. And don't tell me that you haven't experienced the difficulty of having to mentor somebody else. It's always painful because the person will disagree. They'll get angry at you. They'll get upset at you. Have you ever had to help somebody through a problem? Yeah, now sometimes they get angry at you. I know what it is to lose friends because they came to me to ask for help. So when I go there and try to help them, you know, you you might have an issue with this. What they get upset and they leave. They don't want to hear it. And it, it's sad because, excuse me, you asked me for my help. You asked me for my, you know, for my ideas and my wisdom or, or, or what I thought. But when you're put in that position, hey, as a friend, you've got to be true. You've got to. The worst thing in the world: is see a person with a problem, and say, ah, everything's okay. No, it's not okay. You've got an issue, right? If, you, if a person had a cut, a deep cut, and you say to them, ah, everything's all right. No, you wouldn't do that. You'll say, you, you're cut in the back. I'll never forget the day. This is a little weird, but I'm going to share it anyway. Because it's life, it's the way things are. I remember years ago, I was a doorman in 40 Central Park South. I was a kid. I was probably about 19, 20 years old. And this lady, I mean, an amazing pianist. I'm a concert-level pianist. She lived there. I mean, in order to live there, you had to pay $10,000, $20,000 a month at that time in the, in the late 70s. So we're talking millionaires. So she's happy. She says, hey, good morning, Victor. How are you? Always very, she was uh, funny. I'm not funny. Happy to an extreme. You know what I mean? There's some people that are, like, overly happy. She's really happy. Yeah. She had a nice dress, and she had her bag here, Right? And then as she's going out, I didn't realize, oh my God, I'm so sorry. She had caught her dress on the bag, So it was lifted all the way up. And I was not a friend to her because I was so embarrassed that I couldn't go, oh, excuse me. You know, I felt so embarrassed. So she's walking down the block and she's, you know, hello, hello. And meanwhile, everybody's going, whoa. (laughs) And the problem is she had nothing on. So I wasn't a friend that day. I should have immediately stopped her. Now, in my, yeah, I know exactly. I, I felt bad for myself, and every once in a while, I want to do this. You know, I want to hit myself. <laughs> I said, you know, I, I, that was wrong. Because who finally told her? <laughs> who finally told her? I don't know. She probably went all the way to her school where she was teaching, five blocks away, and you know. And if it was like iPhone City, <laughs> she would have been famous. But luckily, it was the '70s. It was in the summer, yes. And you know, Central Park right across the street. And you know, she was happy. You know, she she had free air conditioning. I mean, (laughs) it was she was all right. But the point I'm making, I wasn't a friend. I, I I wasn't truthful. And 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 even today, I think about it. You know, I smile about it a bit, but I realize that's exactly many times what we do to each other. We see a harm, we see you running into a wall, and we won't stop you. I say, by the way, just saying, there's a wall about 10 feet away, and you're running right into it. Because we don't want them to get upset at us. So we'd rather have their, I don't know, their happiness with us, right? Their affirmation of us, rather than being truthful with them and maybe even hurting them. Because there's an issue that they're myopic in. They don't see it. But if we don't say it, what's going to happen? The only other option is smash. So the shift has happened. We have to be faithful. So what did this Lord do? What did this nobleman do? He gave us gifts. What did this nobleman do? He expected us to take his resources and multiply them so that when he returns, right, He could receive that plus the multiplication. And then he would share the benefit and the blessings with us. But have we done that? Have we been taking the resources he's given us and passionately multiplying it for his glory and the benefit of humanity? I think most of us have been on vacation. I think most of us have been on hiatus. I think most of us have been AWOL. And we have not been pleasing to our Master, to our Lord. Now when he returned, the guy that he had given five pounds or talents to, the guy said, well, here's your five, but I'm giving you five more because I did some trading with it. He says, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. See, there's joy when you are obedient to his command. There is joy when when you partner with Almighty God. And you please his heart. He saved us for free. We didn't have to pay that price. He did. He paid the price. But how now can we gladden his heart? How can we bless God's heart? It's by being that. By doing that. By multiplying the resources we have. And what do we multiply? We multiply the knowledge of God's word. We multiply the knowledge of his love. Right? we multiply the ability to do so because we share it among a growing number of people. Because so they share with you, then you and I share it with two others, and then four, and then eight, and then 16. It grows. And that pleases his heart. We, we uh, expand into different regions by sharing his love. And it pleases his heart when a region receives the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So quick, uh, three quick things, and we'll be finished. Number one, before any growth takes place or any expansion takes place you must first receive the seed and the seed can only come through intimacy right when the husband blesses the wife with the seed and she blesses the husband by receiving the seed there's expansion right so in the kingdom of god when god gives you a word when he gives you his love and you receive his love and you receive salvation, you're born again and, and, and you receive that deposit, that divine deposit that he gives us, now you expand it by sharing it with others. But it only comes through intimacy. Right? A married couple, when they share and out of that comes what? A birth, it only happened because of intimacy. Right? Same way. If we're not intimate with Almighty God, we will not bear fruit in the kingdom of God. And this is why many times we're weak because when it's come to prayer time, when it comes to relationship time, when it comes to dedication time, we know where to be found. The, the, the prayer meetings are the least attended in churches. Why? We love the celebration. We love the noise. We love the concerts. Don't get me wrong. They're fun. They're great. But we don't like the prayer time. But yet it's in the intimacy where we get the wisdom, where we get the revelation, where we get the power to be effective witnesses. I'm not hearing anybody saying amen. And, and, and this is uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, shame on us. Because we listen to our flesh more than we are obedient to the word of God. I don't like to pray, man. The prayer is not my thing. It's not a matter of being your thing. Excuse me, is breathing your thing? Is eating your thing? Well, that's another thing altogether. We like eating. It's fun. It's enjoyable. But if you don't eat, you die, right? If you don't breathe, you die. Some people say, I don't like water. Serious? Yeah, some people don't like to drink water. But yet you're drinking water in other ways because you'll drink soda, you'll drink other things that, have, that contain water. You have to have water, you die. Well, I'm saying a Christian that doesn't have prayer or a prayer life, spiritually dead, or spiritually, you know, very weak and feeble. So there has to be that intimacy with Christ. If I go to church on Sunday, that's nothing to do with intimacy. That, that's, that's public. We're coming together to corporately worship God and to receive instruction so they could continue to fuel your intimacy with Almighty God. Praise God. If you can't say amen, at least say ouch. Amen. Say something so I can know you're still awake. See, So intimacy is very important in order to be able to bring life. The second thing, actually let me say this, your vision is your future. And part of what he imparts in you is a picture or a seed of your future. So your vision is your future. If you don't receive a seed from Almighty God, a picture, a panorama, a vision of your future from Almighty God, the only option is your past. As you continue repeating the past until you receive a new picture for your future. Wow. Praise God. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Praise God. We remember the past, but we imagine our future. Our past is fixed, right? But the future is unknown. The only way we could relate to the future is as we see God's future, as, he, as through, in, through the process of intimacy, he shares with us what's our better future. My God. What did, he tell, what, what did God tell um, Abraham? Abraham, look at the stars. What he was doing, giving him a picture of an expansion. Abraham, look at the stars. That's how your children are going to be. That's how your grandchildren, your progeny is going to be that huge. That if you could count the stars, you'll be able to count Your progeny, your your children, grandchildren, great grandchildren—that's how big your family is going to be. Whoa! Abraham had never seen that before. Then he brought him to a beach. He says, uh, "Can you count the sand?" He says, "No." He says, "That's how your family is going to be." So he's giving him a picture to expand him on the inside, and that's what God is doing in your heart, in your mind. In your spirit, man, he's expanding you because otherwise you continue to shut out the things that God wants to do in your near future. So it's going to take you allowing yourself to be expanded and that expansion will take some pain because part of the pain is your own flesh. Your own flesh does not want to get out of its comfort level. Your own flesh wants to stay where it's at. It likes where it's at. But in any great endeavor, you have to be expanded. Let me just read this to you. This was a a, a vision of a minister in Wales. He said, this is, uh, the Lord told him this, this is what I expect of my church. Just like the creatures in Ezekiel, they moved in every direction at the same time. My people should be moving likewise in a way that admits no backwards. There is no backwards in the kingdom, always forward. But this can only happen within my presence. Just like the creatures were moving within the whirlwind and the fire and the brilliance of the glory, the same way you are to move within my presence and expand my glory toward every direction. It is a time of redeeming, time of recovering. All that you thought lost is not lost. It is all there for you to claim back, to redeem, to possess. It It happens in a moment, in my presence Years long can be fulfilled in one day. And all that you wished, prayed, hoped, or even thought it was gone is brought into fruition at my word. However, your time of fulfillment requires a place of fulfillment as well. My time is kairos, ever-present now, and the place is my presence, ever-expanding here. Only within the presence of God can you find fulfillment in your time Because within the presence of the Most High God, you see kairos becomes your time. Now, I don't know if you know the difference between kairos. It's not an American word. It's a Greek word. Uh, There's kairos time and then there's kronos time. Kronos time is the time that we use where, you know, hours, minutes, right? Kairos is a now moment, a suddenly that shows up. You weren't expecting it, and bam, it's there. Uh, God talks about future seasons, and then some th- sometimes a season just comes. It could come January 1st. It could come March 13th. It doesn't make a difference. A kairos time is a time that is a, a now moment. And in God's presence, what happens is God exposes to you his kairos moments. Where, whereas you didn't think God was going to do something, and suddenly in his presence, suddenly, bam, in a moment, he ushers you into a new season. He gives you a new wisdom. He gives you a revelation. He gives you an understanding that takes you into a new season, into a new authority. Amen? In, into a new enablement. And that's why it's important to have that intimacy. Because it's that intimacy that births that new season. And this is why many of you have been going through a fight. You've been struggling internally. You've been not sure what's going on. But God has been working on you, preparing you for that... Kairos moment, for that moment of expansion, for that moment of revelation, for that moment of recognition that it's a new season for you and you're authorized and deputized to now take the word of the Lord and take the grace of God and take the wisdom of God and take his exousia. Exousia is delegated authority, where God now sends you with delegated authority into a place and speak prophetically into a region, into a family, into a person, into an economy, whatever it is, into even a local church. There are times when God is prepping you, and then when he sends you, he sends you with a supernatural ability, with an exousia, an authority, that when you speak, then he manifests. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, there are times when God would send his prophets of old, go speak to the bones. Go speak to that land. Go speak to those people. Why didn't God just do it? Is because God always partners with man. You you and I know this. The Bible says God made man. He says, "I make you in charge of this earth realm." So anything that happens on this earth realm, God works and partners through man. So when God's ready to do something, He preps a man, raises up a man or woman, and then He tells them, "This is what I want you to speak to that region." This is and, and only and when you decree it or say it, it happens. Because you're partnering with Almighty God. One time the prophet Elijah said, it's not going to rain until I say so. And guess what? It stopped raining for over two years. It did not rain. Why? Because Elijah said so. But you know why Elijah said so? Because God told Elijah to say so. God could have just made it stop raining, but he wanted to partner with God because that's his word, that's his will here on earth. He created man to be in charge here on earth. So when God said, you go speak to those people and tell them that it's not going to rain except at your word. He went there and said, it's not going to rain except at at my word. And guess what? It didn't rain. And then one day God said, okay, now it's time. Let the rain flow. Go speak to the atmosphere and tell it to rain. Praise God. So he went over and he said, rain. (laughs) And then he told told his assistant, I want you to go and check the, the sky out. So he went out. He came back. He says, nothing. Go again. Uh, nothing. Go again. Seven times his assistant went looking at the sky to see if there was any rain. At the seventh time, the, 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 the assistant came back. He says, it's a small cloud in the sky. He said, okay, let's run because the rain's on its way. Let's run from here because the rain is on its way. So Elijah lifted up his, his, you know, in those days they had these big frocks. He lifted it up. The Bible says he ran so fast he outran the horse. He got back to town so fast because he had a revelation. He knew what was on his way because God had said it to him and God had said, release it on earth and it's going to happen. And here's our problem. We don't believe anymore Then God can work through us. When I want to remind you that God is waiting for you to get your act together and to understand that you are his agent here on earth and he's waiting for a man, he's waiting for a woman that he could partner with and partner through. Hallelujah. A couple of minutes later, it started pouring. There was a deluge, and he he got into his house at the right time. Praise God. But I'm just letting you know that the Kairos moment is that all of earth right now is groaning. The Kairos moment is that the nations are confused. The, The nations are offended. Everybody's angry. Everybody's upset. Haven't you noticed it? People are upset for the dumbest things. Just two days ago, I saw a video, a 60-year-old man, he stops right behind a a motorcycle, young kid with with his girlfriend in the back, and the 60-year-old man gets out of the car and goes up to the boy and punches him right in the face. Why? Because he said he had crossed him or something like that. But the kid had one of those GoPro cameras in the helmet. He punches him with a helmet. So the kid goes, wow, what are you doing, sir? What are you?" And then, then the old man starts. Uh, when I say old oh, man, you know, in comparison to the kids, much older, right? Because he's not old. I'm about that age. So, yeah, man, I got to pull back sometime, you know. <laughs> so he, he goes up to the young lady, He pushes the young lady. So now the young kid gets out of the bike and he goes, hey, excuse me, excuse me, don't, don't mess with my girlfriend. And so the, the, the old man tries to punch him again. So he grabs him and young, the, the, the older man falls down breaks his ankle. So he's talking to your message, why are you doing this? You shouldn't be doing this. And the guy goes, oh, You did it to me. You 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 hit me. Says, Excuse me, well due respect, see this? This is a camera. And all this is being recorded. And a lot of people are gonna get to know you. You know today's generation they put everything on Facebook, right? So now the the, the six year old man he's infamous. Well he got arrested and the whole thing. But what I'm saying, everybody's angry for nothing for the dumbest of things. It's that spirit that's in the air. It's trying to create division and destruction. They don't understand it. But when it tries to come upon me, I go, hmm, I don't receive that. There's no reason for me that, to, to be there. That's supernatural. When anger tries to come upon you, well, oh, oh, I'm sorry, not here. See, my spirit man controls my flesh. But if we allow the flesh, forget about it. We'll end up in prison, then we wonder, why am I here? You see my point? So, in closing, what I'm saying is that we're in a new season. And God is calling his people into action. God, God is calling his people to recognize who they are on earth. You're not just mere mortals. You are representatives of Almighty God. You are ambassadors of the, of the kingdom. Your words have the power of life and death. And, and God has anointed you to bring life, to bring love, to bring restoration, to bring health to regions. And wherever the church is alive in regions and passionate and growing, there's going to be life in that area. I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. You're going to see pockets of revival, and other areas are going to be dead, because the churches are going to just kowtow to, you know, the powers that be, and they're not going to want to do anything. No, no. Let's be a church, a, a vibrant Christian community that brings life and healing and love. Amen. You ready for that? Yes. Praise God. Well, I love you very much. Appreciate you, and I'm looking forward to. It. I'm excited as to what God is doing. But what he's about to do is going to be amplified because everything's being amplified today. Hate is being amplified. Yeah. Destruction is being amplified. Well, guess what? The anointing is also being amplified. Revelation is being amplified. The gifts of the Spirit being amplified. The wisdom of God being amplified. Fear is being amplified. Well, guess what? Faith is also going to be amplified. Pray that this message fueled your faith. For more resources visit www.calvaryny.org. You are blessed and highly favored.